0: Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, Larry Scarato is our city's first openly gay police chief. And while he says it's something he's deeply proud of, it's not something he spent a bunch of time talking about. Today, that changes. I went down to headquarters to get his take on queer representation in the Pittsburgh Bureau, why he decided to come out when he did, and how he hopes his identities, gay and biracial, will inform his tenure as chief. And make sure you tune in to tomorrow's episode two, where we'll hear how some of our city's queer advocacy groups are feeling about this new representation. It's Tuesday, August 15th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. What does it mean to you to be the city's first out openly gay police chief here in Pittsburgh?
1: You know, I guess I never thought about it in that, I guess, that manner of significance until it started becoming a manner of significance right and and so you know it's it's always been important to be representative of my culture my community whether it be the lgbtq community or whether it be my ethnic heritage like that i was proud of and be proud of being a member of both of those groups and so to be the first openly gay police chief for this city is monumental in a lot of ways it's from a community that i'm a part of a community that i enjoy being engaged with and it It's a big deal for people like me to have attained or risen to positions like this in a profession that hadn't in the past been maybe so receptive of of sexuality or or the differences in sexuality not this organization but maybe the profession generally this organization has been exceptional from the first day i came out so my experience and my is different than a lot of my colleagues' experiences as it relates to sexuality and policing.
0: Yeah. How long ago was that, if you don't mind me asking?
1: It was 2008, so I was the first out male in the police department.
0: Wow. That's something. Did that feel like something at the time?
1: It was terrifying at the time because I didn't know anyone that was like me, anyone that had life experiences like me, and so I didn't know how well-received it would be. I just knew it was time, And, and in that... I had a really good support structure within the Bureau. I had close friends that I felt comfortable with telling. And once I did, it was like no big deal. And and so I know my experience is very different than some others that have gone through this. And it's just a testament of like the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police and the people that work here, that it was so accepting in a place where, again, I was terrified. To even have that conversation for, I mean, I came on in 95. I wasn't, I didn't become gay in 2008. Yeah. Right? And so just being terrified of like, 13 years of what that would look like potentially. And in and, and that it was no big deal. It well, was I'm, really cool.
0: Yeah. I'm doing the math on that. So what were you doing in your career at that point?
1: Yeah. I just got promoted to Sergeant. Uh, I think I was assigned to the Hill district at the time. Uh, so I was overseeing an afternoon shift and we had a street crime unit that we were focusing on violent crime in the Hill. So that was my responsibility and my oversight at the time.
0: Was it nice to have a little bit of a rank behind you when you finally, you know, talked about it?
1: I think it you know, positional power is important in, in that regard. And maybe it's even why it's important today. But having someone having the having the power of that position, that you, you can kind of influence things in a different way where maybe as a patrol officer you couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it changed the reception because if you're not liked, you're not liked. Doesn't matter what position you hold, That's right? People
0: love to bad mouth the boss.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't think it insulated me from that. Yeah. but, but it maybe created an environment that I just felt more comfortable in doing it in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the reception been like since? You know, you you held that position, you attained a much higher rank before retiring, um, and of course now you're back um, as the top boss. Uh, have you heard from anybody who's said anything? You know about the specific aspect of your representation.
1: You know the the lgbtq community has been very supportive uh whether it was here or was in florida like it's always that community has always been supportive of me
0: within the bureaus or um broadly in the cities
1: broadly in the city uh within within the bureau we don't really have a formalized
0: there's no caucus is there
1: no no there's unlike new york police department nypd has has a caucus Mm -hmm. uh, has an organization uh this this bureau's never has and I, i don't know if it you know, because of the inclusive nature that I felt and others have felt, I don't think there was just ever a need to have a separate and distinct group for, for LGBTQ within the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police. Just didn't, it just never seemed to evolve that way because I don't think it was just, it was really never needed. The, our, our acceptance and, and our assimilation into the organization was seamless. And because of that, I don't think we ever felt the need to, or those like me ever felt the need to organize in any specific way.
0: If anyone ever did would you be supportive
1: yes yes I, I think there's always support, in, like even in our multicultural liaison unit that we start uh, putting more effort into expanding its reach expanding its impact when we especially specifically when we talk about recruiting mm-hmm. like, that we're that we have to have people that have different shared experiences from different backgrounds to speak on behalf of the Bureau so that we're, we're reaching more people and then that diversity in an organization matters
0: yeah do you have an idea of what the uh, representation is within the bureau right now of folks that maybe identify as lgbtq openly
1: of course no uh i mean i i know i i know them i've never and, seen right. it on the
0: annual report right, but that doesn't right. mean you don't have an idea we don't
1: acknowledge it in in, in that way uh yeah. again I, I guess it's just never been something that we needed to create a box for mm-hmm. uh in, in, in that we haven't so again i i know there are other officers that that are Openly gay that are out and have no issues within the bureau. Uh, But I'm sure there's a fair segment of people that aren't out and aren't comfortable in that same space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I noticed that the city did not make it part of their announcement when they were initially talking about um, your appointment. Um, It's interesting, given Ed Gainey is the first black mayor here in the city of Pittsburgh, Um, his chief of staff is the first trans woman to serve at that high echelon. Was it part of the conversation? And you're just decided not to or what was the decision-making there
1: it was they've always known mm-hmm. uh, so we've had conversations about it throughout the interview process I think maybe it was out of respect for me in the moment is that I didn't want to be characterized as the gay chief right yep. or the biracial chief I, I wanted the selection to be based on the merits from the interview and that it's beneficial that I am gay it is beneficial that I am biracial, but it wasn't to, to, to for those that would dismiss this appointment as only chosen because of, right? That it was important that I was chosen because of my qualifications and, and my experience and what benefits and value I bring to the Bureau as a leader, not as a gay man.
0: Just trying to get ahead of some of that. Yes. How do you think that your identification as um, part of the LGBTQ community um, and the Black community, maybe, how do you think it's going to affect your approach to policing?
1: It's, I just come from different experiences. My shared experiences are so much different than the majority of our officers on the force. And, and that diversity in a room, that diversity of thought brings different conversations that others just may not consider because of their background, their upbringing, their, their socioeconomic status. All of those things matter. All of those things will impact decision making. All of those things infla- influence the way which we promote, the way which we recruit. Like, it's just the way in which you run the organization, the way you engage with the community. Like there's all of the, they all matter. So I think it's important. And, and my background then allows me to engage in a community that is often underrepresented in, in policing. Yeah. In in both fronts.
0: And what about leadership? Do you think it might have any kind of material impact and how you, you know, work with your colleagues and mentor and, you know, try to lead from within?
1: You know, it, it definitely gives me a level of empathy and understanding that maybe others wouldn't have just because I know how difficult it was to exist in part of my identity be unknown, right? And and, and so that those struggles are just, they just manifest differently. I think it just gives me a different level of empathy in, in understanding issues within even within our own department as well as our community. Just that, that, that challenge or that change or that, I guess that moment uh, and my experience and my background just gives me a just, just a different level of understanding.
0: Is there anything you can think of from the past you know your twenty years with the bureau before now or you know something since then that um, I don't know kind of hits home like it was a moment you're like i I had this. I did this better because of my lived experience
1: you know I, I I know there was a moment like I knew I needed to come out right I was I was there's a photo, I think it's still on our website of like a recruiting photo where I'm a sergeant in this photo and it's and a, the array of us. And it's still on the city website today, which is rather unique because I've been promoted like five times since then. And,
0: hey, but, it's a historical artifact now.
1: It, it, it is. <laughs> it's put at the Heinz, Heinz Museum. Excuse me. But I remember following that photo. I was at an event over in Shadyside and there was a kid that came up. with. I mean, when I say kid, he's relatively young, 18 to 20, but he was interested in law enforcement. Yeah. And he's like, are you allowed to be gay and be a cop? As if there was a law against being gay and being a cop.
0: I mean, and, this was around the time of Don't Ask Don't Tell with the US military. I can see the question.
1: Right. And and it it touched such a place in my heart. Like I felt so bad in the moment because I wasn't out then and I wasn't or couldn't represent our profession, this department, and the way I knew it would be, or at least I thought it would be, or hope it would be. Mm-hmm. And, and to tell that kid, no, no, you can, yes, you can be gay and you can be a police officer. I, that was that was the moment. And, and then I knew that, that that I would always then carry that torch forward. I would always be a leader in, in this space because it mattered. It mattered to people I have never met mm-hmm. and, and I think that want to do noble things in our profession, but aren't certain if they would be accepted. And then why would you join a career or a department that you're going to face, there there are all these hurdles relative to your sexuality and who you love, when there's enough hurdles that you're going to face just by the danger of the job.
0: Do you like to dance? How would you characterize right now the relationship between queer people and police
1: in Pittsburgh? I would say it's better. Uh, It continues to improve uh, from you know with even with the work that the Delta Foundation, even though they're no longer in existence, has done. uh, Prasad has done. uh, We have them teach at the well prior when I was here. We did. We had them teach at the training academy, like allocating availability and space where they're talking to our newest officers about. Uh, About just being just the LGBTQ community uh, with the pride festivals of past, our officers were very involved and engaged in those events uh, in a meaningful way, and not just a policing way. Yeah. And 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 so, I say it's better, and and it continues to get better, and will continue to get better as we have more representation from the community in this department. Mm -hmm. But
0: Uh, doesn't that mean you got to track it to know?
1: No, no. Some people like I. Some people are openly. Mm-hmm. out about it and or and, and, and open about their sexuality and, totally. and that's really important and I guess when you track it is it like two people is it three people uh, is it worth tracking I guess what gets measured gets addressed so there's probably not a bad idea in, in some way shape or form to acknowledge it uh and more importantly I, I think when you acknowledge it that you you send the message of creating an environment of inclusiveness
0: yeah yeah um have you reached out to any of the city's queer organizations since you've returned as chief?
1: I have not yet. Is it on the list? <laughs> it is on the list as, as we start our recruiting efforts. Uh, I've spoken to members of them. Uh, I'm still a member of that community. I still engage in social events, mm-hmm. but not as not from the position of the chief of police.
0: Are there any favorite social events that you look forward to?
1: I always, the, the, the gay pride event in the summer is a it's, it was different. It was different. This is the first time I was back in five years to see it. So, but it's always a, a and it's
0: evolved a lot in five right? years. It's
1: evolved in, in different ways, right? In, in from the way it looked in twenty sixteen to the way it looks now, where its location is, all of it's evolved. Who's in
0: charge? Right. Who's and in then charge of course of the it? effect of the pandemic.
1: Right, right. So, but but it's it's an opportunity of celebration, and, and I've always looked forward to that event. It's always been something that I enjoyed attending. Uh, because it, it, it is, it's it, it's an honor to the one day or two days of the year that that queer people get to be seen, and, and and that's important.
0: Have you marched as a uniformed officer in prior parades? Yes. Yeah.
1: So in the up until I retired, I was a well, I was onboarding in this last one, so I did not. But I, my intention will be to in the future.
0: Gotcha. Um, you know, this is a little bit of, a I guess, a tougher question, but um, a lot of folks in our community who identify as black and LGBTQ independently, but sometimes together as well, um, have reported violent interactions with our officers. Um, they feel like they're disproportionately stopped. Some of the city's own data shows that they are disproportionately incarcerated. What do you think that you can do about that or to speak to it?
1: I can assure that our officers will be treat people every person no matter how they encounter them with dignity and respect right and that there's equitable action for equitable or equitable response for equitable actions and and what that looks like is similar actions will have similar responses right and similar outcomes and they should Uh, so i assure you that we will always look at that so in in when we're looking at racial bias that we're evaluating any of those citizen complaints we're evaluating our officers actions to ensure that that's not occurring uh, in the event that one of our community members feels that way, no different than any other community, there's an uh, there's a avenue to report that behavior and we'll investigate it and we will hold those officers accountable if that is determined to be the case.
0: Um, you know, one of the newer outlets here, Qberg, I don't know if you've read their stuff, um, they wrote about your appointment. Um, it was actually the first outlet I saw in the city of Pittsburgh that did sort of pinpoint that part of your um, your heritage, your representation, the story itself was super st- Short, straightforward. Um, but I was struck by the comments um, on social media. A lot of them said something like, "Cool, he's one of us," but a All cops are bad. What do you say to that?
1: That's that's a challenge, right? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity us to make inroads where we have not focused a lot of our efforts. Uh, I, I don't. When we're talking about underrepresented communities, it's not organic. It doesn't happen in our profession naturally. Like, you have to be intentional about engaging communities that are different from the majority here, where they're at. And with that, if you just expect that they're going to show up because we put out flyers and have a job fair, well, you're wrong, because there is a level of distrust. There has been, and there have been abuses throughout history with policing in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. So it's important, and its, but it has to be intentional. It just won't happen so that we we change the narrative by our actions and not our words. And I think that's important.
0: My reporting partner at City Paper, she reached out to a few folks, including someone who's dug into a lot of the history, trying to document some of the early gay rights movements here in the city through the 70s and 80s. And they said that a lot of what they found in terms of just being able to document gay life came through police records of raids and you know prosecutions of people that were accused of cruising in city parks for example would you speak to historical harms like that
1: i acknowledge them because they matter they matter about or they matter because that's how Perceptions formed. Oftentimes, it's not the experience that you had; it's the experience that someone close to you has had, and so it's relayed in, in a way that may be completely accurate or may be to the perception of the person that went through it. But nonetheless, it becomes somebody else's reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it's important to acknowledge that those those historical wrongs existed, uh, and, and that we move forward with the intention and commitment to change the narrative. And I think if we're intentional in that direction then we have the ability to change perception and more importantly we have the ability to change reality
0: yeah there was one organization that again our partners at city paper talked to that said they felt like there was an inherent conflict to being out and proud and also being police chief what would you say to them
1: i welcome this opportunity because i get to represent so many different people that oftentimes don't have a platform, don't have a voice, but I get to do it with integrity. And in that, I can be out and, and, I, and be an effective leader in this profession. The men and women will tell you so. Uh, we, we, and their actions will show that, that they're in support of me. And sexuality is not, is not a determining factor for them to support me. It's about the way in which I lead, leading with integrity, right? Leading with purpose, having a vision, having a mission, some things that they suggest didn't exist or, or were were deficient in right so there's the the sexuality part is important and it's important for like the various reasons we spoke about but that being a servant leader is probably more important for the bureau to be effective and efficient
0: do you worry that there's any kind of culture divide there you know some of these perception questions like for a lot of Pittsburghers there's this deeply embedded mistrust of police. And for some officers, there is, you know, a deeply embedded chip on one shoulder that they feel like they're maybe not getting the respect that they're due from the community. They feel like they're trying to protect.
1: I I hear it and I hear it on both sides. Right. And so it's my responsibility in this role to be the bridge for both of those sides to come together, because I also hear how supportive our communities are of our officers and how engaged officers would like to be with our communities. So for the for some of the comments and or the naysayers in the social media world, I know I have committed partners that I see face to face every day on both sides that seek to have this level of engagement that didn't exist in the past. And, and it's my job to facilitate that so that we achieve that, that cooperation, that community police partnership.
0: Do you feel like you can reach either side, the ones that are you know genuinely encamped? either within your own bureau or out in the community?
1: I believe so. Uh, I, I know if I can't, it's worth the effort of trying. And, and, and so no one will be able to walk away from this to say, I didn't try or we didn't try. Uh, I, I think there will always be people that are so, like they're just, they're entrenched in their thought processes. And, but you try to change one heart, one mind each time. And, and maybe you get to them, maybe you don't. But it won't be because of lack of effort. Thank you, Chief. Thank you.
0: A little more news before you go. The Mon Incline is out of service. Indefinitely, 12 riders got stuck on it for an hour over the weekend. And whatever's wrong with it, I guess it needs a little extra time to get fixed. Pittsburgh Regional Transit suggests the Route 40 Mount Washington bus from downtown, or you can take the outbound stop located on the Smithfield Street Bridge. And U.S. Steel is debating a buyout. The Associated Press reports they've rejected a $7.3 billion buyout proposal from Cleveland Cliffs. That company is the largest producer of flat-rolled steel and iron in North America, and also one of U.S. Steel's main rivals. But local company execs say they might consider alternative offers. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. We hope you'll stick with us tomorrow. We talked to a bunch of queer organizations in town, all in partnership with City Paper, to get a sense of what, if anything, having an openly gay police chief means to them or to the city. If you enjoyed our show, please tell someone, leave us a nice review, a five-star rating, and make sure you're subscribed to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Um, What's the first thing you did when you got back to the city?
1: I went to Fiori's Pizza. That's my favorite.